0: Hi, this is Mo Maduro, and today's episode we'll be talking about collapsing the woo-woo gap. I'll start with my own journey in the self-development world. It began with reading Think and Grow Rich, and of all things, it was recommended to me by a guy in organized crime. I was 18 years old. He told me to read the book Think and Grow Rich. I was 18, had never heard of self-help. I was in martial arts, so I understood that part of it, but I didn't understand anything about these books. So anyway, after reading Think and Grow Rich... One Thing Led to Another, Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale, The Magic of Thinking Big, and Psycho-Cybernetics. That was a big one for me. And if you, if you read Psycho-Cybernetics, that was probably the closest book that got me to thinking about the unconscious. So my initial introduction to this world was v- very much grounded in, in the physical realm. What I've done is I got this ruler. And on this side, I've put a piece of tape around on the 12. Zero is right here. And what I'm going to call the woo-woo gap is if we accept that the last two inches on this 12-inch ruler are 100% in the spiritual realm. Things we can't explain, miracles, real miracles, right? Things that we can't explain, whatever that is to you. And then the rest of it over here is clearly in the physical realm. You eat food, you gain weight. You don't eat food, you lose weight. These things are in the physical realm. There may be some nuances in the short term, but in the long term, we know there's no question about it. You don't get enough sleep, you get tired. These are in the physical realm. There's no woo-woo, no confusion. And then between the two pieces of, of yellow tape is our gap, what I'll call the woo-woo gap. And so what I want to talk about is how my woo-woo gap went from, went from over seven down to around three, and then well over nine. So there's very, there's a, absolutely a very, very small amount that I have any doubts of, and then it's 100% spiritual realm, which I accept that I is, I'm not going to understand that. So those books that I mentioned were all very much grounded in the physical realm. And then I fast forward to Success Motivation International, And there were just a ton of books recommended, Acres of Diamond, Richest Man in Babylon, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Magic of Believing by Claude Bristol. There were so many books that were presented to me, and we had them on tape. So this was back with cassette tapes. Again, these books were grounded in very much a physical explanation of what things were going on. Somewhere... After that, so I would say in the 80s, I started running into, there was a book by Wayne Dyer, When You Believe It, You'll See It. And I found that was the first book that got me into seeing this other spectrum. I remember a a quote in the book, I believe he was talking to Deepak Chopra, and they were saying, yes, once you understand this, if you want an ice cream cone, you just decide that you're going to have an ice cream cone, and the ice cream cone appears. And the way it was presented, very similar to what I just said, I'm paraphrasing only slightly, but it's like, where are these things come from? How does this work? And so I lumped all of that into the metaphysical and I started pushing on some things. And I'm going to explain that in, in these next episodes, I will talk to you about how what people are thinking is manifesting is actually a result of what's going on in the nervous system. So this metaphysical, I started, different things happened. I remember, I wear contacts. I remember my vision just like got 20-20. It was 20-20 for a couple of days. And I could not explain it. You know, some people tried to say, well, you know, maybe the your, the curvature of your eyeball changed, whatever it was. But I couldn't, so there were enough of those things. And then the one that was really interesting is the parking space now? I don't know if you if you know anybody. Maybe you've done it yourself, but I had great success in. I'm going to use the word now, but I don't think of it that way. Manifesting a parking space that's close close by. Now I lived in New York City, drove in Manhattan a lot. But by this time, I had been out of the army. I wasn't in New York City anymore. But I I still had this belief that I could find parking spaces. And then when I actually thought it, heard that it was a thing, that people imagine having a parking space that's close, and they get it. Well, I had already been doing it not knowing that, so it was very easy for me to step into that. And I got very good at it. I would just decide I wanted a parking space close in, and I would find it. I got to the point where it wasn't even interesting anymore. It was literally that much like clockwork. So that was, I will tell you, one of the last things I could actually explain as to what was going on. So in the metaphysical realm it got real weird. I, I didn't like it. I will tell you that because I couldn't explain it and it just didn't make sense. I'm kind of an analytical mind and most things I I saw could be explained. Then I was introduced to neuro-linguistic programming and that was really helpful because that brought it way back into the physical realm. Now we were talking about changing things. Now I couldn't tell you why they were changed. I couldn't tell you why we could revise history and why we could cure phobias and my track record on curing phobias is like 100% because it's, it's a real rock solid and that's what probably helped me more than anything lean into this neuro change world because I had such good success with phobia cures. I wasn't a practitioner but I would run into people around, I was in sales, sales management, I was always meeting people and we'd be out for whatever and find out that they had or traveling you find out they have a phobia and I would do the phobia cure. And that really helped me get a vision or visual of what the what was going on in the unconscious, but I didn't know it at the time. The neurolinguistic programming stayed with that, worked with high-performing teams, so I got certified in, in NLP not to be a practitioner, but to apply it in sales and sales management and high performance. At that time, I actually thought NLP was going to become a big thing in the corporate world, but it never really caught on because it didn't really go through the trials. It it certainly didn't measure up to the medical community. In a lot of ways, it fizzled out when it comes to the corporate world. It was very much alive in the new age world and in the, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in California. What's interesting now is I can meet therapists and practitioners who just started in the last 10 years, and they've never heard of NLP. They've never heard of neurolinguistic programming, whereas if I go back 20 and 30 years, like around 2000... Just about everybody who was a practitioner had heard about NLP. I kept using it for sales. I used it to step into my business, although I will tell you at two th- around the year 2000, I made a decision to use the Bible as the owner's manual for my life. I, I stepped away from the metaphysical. I didn't like that. And so now I was faced with this other dilemma in that there were some things that were coming out around Law of Attraction, the book The Secret, that I couldn't explain. And there was so much serendipity when I was opening my motorcycle business because I lived in Chicago, moved out to San Francisco solely for the purpose of starting the business. I wanted to be near the ocean, near the mountains, and it made sense to be around Silicon Valley. And San Francisco at the time was one of the top tourist destinations in the world. So I said, this is perfect for a tourism rental business. So now I'm back into this problem of having my, so this would be the the spiritual side over here. And I was back into my problem of moving my gap. My gap was starting to get wide again because of the serendipity. And then a coach that I was working with was very much into identity and affirmations, incantations, and things like that, and without a real good explanation of why it works. And I was starting to see some successes, but then had some major problems as well. And I went through that process. The pandemic happened. Uh, again, it was a very fortunate situation. I was actually in the midst of a pivot. I was moving from San Francisco to Sacramento to move into the uh, price line model where I would market the... Uh, rental motorcycles, but I would not own the assets. Owning the assets is why the business wasn't profitable. Uh, the The depreciation was just too was just too much. When you're selling motorcycles for 30 cents on the dollar and having to replace them with brand new bikes, because my people would travel 5,000 miles on a rental. They would do a 20-day rental and come back to 5,000, 5,000 miles. And so I was buying new bikes, but then we'd put so many miles on them. In the context of motorcycles, 5,000 miles is a lot. I was putting 20,000 on in a year. I was in the midst of a pivot when the pandemic happened. I was very fortunate because had I not sold all my bikes, would have been stuck with 20 motorcycles. When the pandemic hit, I would have been in a much worse position than I ended up being. As you know, the cruise industry just got decimated Motorcycle rental got decimated. Many of my peers are no longer in the in the business anymore because of that. And I went in and started selling motorcycles. I was still hoping the rental business would come back. I, I think it was up until 22 that I finally let go that I could see it wasn't coming back. But in through in that process is when I became involved with neuro change. I, I found that neuro change answered a lot of questions. Now, I had already learned about myelin. So I got that part of it that you could wrap the neurons with myelin. Uh, by deep practice and struggling on the edge of ability. So that was very helpful. And then you come into qu- quantum mechanics and quantum physics and how that works. And the double slit experiment, I'll put that, I'll put that in the notes because I think it's a fascinating thing. And, and essentially that the atom is, and it's supposed to be six six places, ninety nine point nine 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 percent possibility and only point zero 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 one percent matter. So the molecule is the matter, it's just decimal, six zeros and a one. If you go back to when in the 70s, 60s and 70s, when we were learning about this stuff, we always had the the molecule like orbiting around within in the atom, right? You always had these orbit, these rings. But more recently, they found that the molecule went where they were looking. So wherever these scientists looked, the observer, that's where the molecule went. So that was weird, right? And since we're all atoms, you start to think about this whole possibility. So in one of the podcasts, I use this example of Tetris. When you are, but you're like Tetris building the wall. And because it's all possibility, you don't see the results necessarily right away. But then all of a sudden you start to draw, get a line of blocks then two lines and then four lines, and then pretty soon, the player doesn't stand a chance because the wall just builds. But you may have spent 60 or 70% of the game with the blocks just going down into Never Never Land, but they were building that foundation. That's very much how it felt once I started looking at self-development, personal development, above the line, these things, through a lens of quantum mechanics. I still wasn't satisfied. It wasn't until I got into the NeuroChange Practitioner and was able to talk to some neuroscientists and started putting things together, that the picture became clear. And this was a lot of steps and questions, but NLP was a big part of the foundation. And while I don't do much with NLP anymore, it it was that understanding that enables me to do things like change beliefs, get rid of ums for people, pure phobias. And it also made it possible to step into this realm of being above the line and realizing what it is that's holding people back. Because all of that work I did with self-development, I was crossing lines using goals but it didn't always work you may have heard me say that before it didn't always work and I didn't know why and so I was studying what goes wrong when it doesn't work because I wanted to be able to explain it and here I am explaining it so here we go so the woo-woo gap whatever your gap is whatever your gap is and if you're not watching this just think about a rule of 12 inches the last two inches are the spiritual realm and the 10 inches represent your gap at the beginning of this conversation and the question becomes where's your gap at the end of the uh, fifth episode from now. So well, I, I've got, f- I, it's probably going to take me four episodes to get through all of the success principles, but I unpack the success principles in the context of the unconscious. So I will tell you without spilling the beans, 90% of what people attribute to the universe, and I did air quotes, can be explained as something that's going on with either epigenetics or neuroplasticity or coherence. 90% of what people attribute to the universe. Now, that's should be good news. I have a big problem with this idea of the universe, and it has to do with, I do believe that there's good and evil in the world, and I do believe we get to choose. I do believe that good prevails, and but we have to resist the evil. Now, you can believe whatever you want. You don't have to believe what I believe. And I've got my beliefs from decades and decades of trial and error and experimentation. So far be it from me to think I can convince somebody to believe something when it took me five decades or six decades to get there. The The reason I have a problem with this idea of the universe is because if you're relying on the universe, the first part of it is, it's unknown. And because it's unknown how this is happening, it creates stress. I have a client and they've gone deep down into that rabbit hole of mindset and visualization. And they're so disenchanted by it, so jaded by it because it didn't always work. And and it's, I know in my case as well, it seems like when you're relying on it the most is when it lets you down. And so it became this real stressful thing and this Idea. The client has this, had this idea that, well, it's working well now, but, and it was always a but, expecting the other shoe to drop. And we had to walk through it and understand that we're talking about process. We're not talking about anything woo-woo. It's all about process. And if you do the widgets in, the widgets are going to come out. There may be some nuances, but generally speaking, you're going to get out based on what you're putting in because we're talking about process. And it's based in science. So that's part one, is that I think if, you, if you're if you believing that it's the universe, you can create a lot of stress. Now, you can go to the next level and say, well, actually, it's not the universe, it's God or source, and I'm doing it with faith, and therefore, I trust in my faith. That's not what I'm talking about. That's something different, and I agree. But again, how wide is the gap? Is the parking space showing up because you had faith? Is did you make that sale because you had faith? It, or was it a series of inputs that you actually impacted? Did you find that perfect car that ex- was exactly that you were looking for? Was that based on faith? Was that from the universe? Was it something from inside? This is what I want to tackle as we get into the next four episodes. The other reason I have a problem with the universe is because... A person who thinks it's the universe is potentially opening themselves up to not be able to discern whether they're receiving from good or from evil. And it doesn't. you don't have to look very far to see that there's some bad stuff going on in the world. And there are some bad people who are trying to convince other people to be bad. And I don't want to get into why or how or who, but the point is there are people out there doing nefarious things and bringing people along to do, to do their bidding with them and for them. And if you're relying on the universe, then it's very easy for you to fall into that trap. I know back in, we don't see it as much anymore. I guess it's on the internet now with scams. But back before the internet, there were con men all over the place. And the word was, the only reason a con man is going to be able to con you is if you have some greed. If you're trying to get something for nothing, then you will fall for the con. It's like that. If you are relying on the universe for this house or this car or whatever and then these things are happening and the next thing you know you're fudging some paperwork here and there because you're feeling like that's your manifestation so you won't hear me use the word manifest much this is not about the law of attraction I, i'm not hating on that at all but i think that this idea of manifesting can be misleading because people think it's coming from the outside in. And I would tell you that the like I said, 90% of what we're seeing from these success principles is from the inside out. And once you learn that, once you learn that and that you're in control, two things happen. One is you get some security knowing that you're in control in control. But the second thing that happens is it's like, oh crap. It's an oh crap moment because now you are responsible for the rest of your life. There's a thing in marketing that says you never tell the prospect that it's their fault. You always put the fault on somebody else, which I have a problem with that. But we can agree, I can agree that where a person is today, if they haven't had any training or understanding, where they are today is not really their fault because the conditioning came from zero to seven. The conditioning uh, and the belief system was given to them. It wasn't something that they created. And then they just went on living the program. They didn't really know any better. So where they got to, yeah, that's probably not their fault. But once they understand this moving forward, it's their responsibility. And by the way, there's a mantra. I got this from Brian Tracy back in the 90s. And he would say, you just say these words, I am responsible. I love myself. I am responsible. I love myself. Try, give it a try as you're just doing, going through your day. I am responsible. I love myself. It reminds you that you're responsible and have to be proactive, but at the same time, you're doing that self-care, that nurturing, that love. And I would add one more thing. I am responsible, I love myself, and I am enough. I am responsible, I love myself, and I am enough. Just those three things, and it's going to give you that comfort because you are stepping into a world where you're now responsible, but you don't want to beat yourself up every time you get it wrong because like a baby walking, that baby, nobody's ever expecting to give up. We're not going to quit on that baby. That baby's going to learn how to walk, and we hang in there with it, the baby's not freaking out, falls down five times in a row. She, she or he is still smiling. So we've got to have that mindset as we go through because there will be some setbacks. And those setbacks are a normal part of the process. And we're going to talk about it in those next five episodes. There it is. What's your woo-woo gap? Where is it right now at the beginning? Is it 10 inches, the full 10 inches? Is it only seven inches over here at the three, the four? Maybe you're already closed. Maybe you're way over here at the seven. And it's a maybe you're, you have no woo-woo gap. Whatever it is, we want to see where it is now and then where it is at the end, all right? I will leave this one open as well for comments, even though, you know, for people who are not subscribed because it'll give me a chance to hear and see what people are thinking. All right, we'll see you next time.